Hi, Grifters. Welcome back to a special edition of the Leverage 10 podcast, where today we are discussing the season five finale, episode 515, The Long Goodbye Job. I'm your host, Kayla Dobson, and as always, I'm joined by executive producers and co-creators of Leverage, John Rogers and Chris Downey. Hey, Kayla. Hello. Thank you for being here. Um, I do want to let our listeners know that due to the holidays, we're actually recording this podcast before the episode has aired, so rather than collecting and asking fan questions, uh, Powell and I have put together some of our own questions to post to our showrunners. So we have a few more than usual and a little bit of anger, too. Well, well, this is the about. thing. I want to make sure the audience doesn't feel like they're being cheated because you guys were definitely audience proxies. Yes. Uh, <laughs> filled with the appropriate yes. amount of, of rage and, uh, and, and anger and confusion and <laughs> elation and just... Sadness yeah. and happiness. It's and sadness it, and happiness. Right. It was all the stages of death. Yeah, all the stages of grief, like grief, right through the, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Right. Pretty much. That's that's basically it. So let's get started with number one. Uh, there were multiple visual throwbacks to the pilot throughout this episode, or at least it seemed that way, with the costumes, Nate head, Nate's headset, the screens behind him. Were these intentional? Absolutely intentional. Nice. You should, there's a moment, we can actually talk about this now. There, there, the, the gist of the episode, we'll, we'll do a little setup before we get into the questions. The only thing we had left to do was con you. <laughs> if we we're going to do one episode. And so the idea was, Dean had originally said, can we keep you thinking that what's going on for the whole episode, like Sherlock did with Sherlock's death over like two hours. But we have too many commercial breaks. Mm-hmm. And we only have the, the 42 minutes. So the best we could do is just keep hammering you with different versions of what you think we're doing to keep you off balance until the fifth act. And I think we got there, we did it pretty well. Mm-hmm. We did it pretty well. It, even if you, you figure out Maybe not everybody's dead. Mm-hmm. You're not quite sure what combination of humans might be dead, and in what in what particular context. Right. And right. Uh, you know, and what's great is you guys read the script, mm-hmm. so you didn't know, like you didn't know what we were going to do in, in, like ten pages later. So so that was it. It was basically the one con we had left in us was to take advantage of the fact the audience knew it could be a series finale, mm-hmm. that people tend to die in series finales, mm-hmm. and that. We have talked about killing people in the series finale, <laughs> right. and as a result, uh, you know, we, we there's no way we held you probably fooled you past Act Three, and a lot of people would, wouldn't have been fooled at all. Mm-hmm. But right. we but, but it helps that we had we had 76 episodes in which we set up what a quote unquote typical leverage episode is, and yes. we were able to use uh, that structure to fool you. Yes, exactly. I mean, you know, you you have a, you inherently trust. That when you meet the client in the beginning, that that's the client, that's the client. That, that we're going to see throughout the episode. And so all those things, uh, by you guys being such devoted viewers, uh, uh, allowed us to allowed fool us you. to create your own <laughs> trap. Yeah. And, and so so here's the thing. There's a moment in the first act when uh, you hear Catherine Dent saying what happened and you push it on Nate. You are programmed by Western filmmaking techniques to believe that what you see next is that person's recollection. Mm-hmm. So that is a memory, and that person is a reliable narrator. But at the end of the act, she says, tell me. That's fine, but I don't want to hear about that. And as soon as she says that, you realize what he was, what you've just seen is something he was saying. Mm-hmm. As soon as that happens, he's now fair game to be an unreliable narrator. Right. And hopefully we've done it smoothly enough that you've subconsciously still accept him as a reliable narrator into the second act. Mm-hmm. But we're not cheating. We've let you know that... You're hearing a story, and, and we've we and we also played around with unreliable narrators in Rashomon and yes. this season in DB Cooper. So yes. those were so at least we had 
we were playing fair in the idea of an uh, unreliable narrator who had already been on the show. Which is what brings us around to this, which this question, which is, were those references intentional? Yes, because that's Nate fabricating the story out of his memories. Okay. And as a result, he's just using stuff from other cases to fill in the blanks. And a sharp-eyed audience will will either think, oh, they're homaging the premiere because this could be this, the finale, mm-hmm. or some people realize, oh, it's Unusual Suspects. He's pulling, he's pulling all these other bits from other episodes in mm-hmm. to create this story. That's so tricky. Well, we were drunk. Well, I was drunk. <laughs> you were drunk. I was drunk. <laughs> well, you mentioned uh, Rashomon job, and so we wanted to know when writing and shooting this episode, was it difficult to keep the timeline straight at all? Was it similar to the process uh, for Rashomon I think, job? I think Dean, Dean said this Dean? On, Dean said this on the DVD commentary, so I, I don't feel bad repeating it. He would call me from. I'd shoot. I was shooting a bunch of second unit. He was shooting first unit. He'd call me and say, "I have no idea what I'm doing right now. What is? What order is it? What reality am which, I shooting? Which version is which this? Version is this? Whose version of the story is it? It was really like you know we. So had, Chris was with him full time. Chris was, was like tracking that over there. Yeah, and and I have to say, you know, a lot of times you have what are called sides on the set, which yeah. are the individual scenes of the day, and they're just like little. It's just a you know. Some, you shoot out order, so you have yeah. like a bunch of scenes clipped together. Well, those were absolutely useless <laughs> in this episode because you had to have the entire script with you yeah. in order to, as you were shooting in, shooting a scene, realize, okay, this is from this this person's perspective, yeah. and that you know that that means that we need these elements need to be on camera, otherwise it's not going to yeah. work. It's because it's Nate's version, mm-hmm. Catherine Dent's version. Mark Shepard's version mm-hmm. than the real version. Real version. So it's four. It's four versions. It's almost. It's it's more complicated than Rashomon because Rashomon's locked into the same sequence of events. True. Right. Where this and in Rashomon, we're very careful to put a starting gun the moment the power flips, mm-hmm. so that you know exactly how everything's lined up, uh, and everything happens in the same sets. This we were over three buildings and in different floors, and there are different versions of each story. And yeah, this was. Uh, this was uh, when this one went up on the board. They all stared at me like I may have lost my mind. That was a fun Monday morning when I yeah. showed up. Like I think I got it. And put it, it up. Was a- believe it or not, it was actually even more complicated. Yes, the but Chris and uh, oh, Jeremy. Chris and Jeremy talked me out of. I had one extra plot twist. It really was just a timing thing to explain away why to make sure nobody could have seen something. Right. It was just, and, and he was like, "No one. People will barely be able to follow this. No one's going to logic question you on that." And yeah. so it was actually slightly more complicated than the original version. So our audience shouldn't feel at all bad if there's any sort of confusion or difficulty. Oh God, in no way, shape, or form. Now it does all make sense. We got when yes. we got into editing, we made sure it all lined up. But uh, but feel free to watch it again and again. Yeah. <laughs> over and don't and over. fast forward those commercials. No, definitely. And feel free to uh, to, to send your angry emails. <laughs> well, and kind of following up on that, can you talk a little bit about writing and casting Catherine Dent's character in this episode? Uh, well, you want to talk about sort of she sort of in the the show because of a scheduling issue. Yes, uh, Mark Shepard was doing the Supernatural finale, okay, and we couldn't get him, and it was like for the whole shoot, and as a result, it's like, well, Mark, it's got to be Mark. I mean, it's got to be Sterling. I mean, it's head to head. It's like, well, do we get a proxy character? But then it's just someone we've never met before who we fooled. So yeah. then we managed to get Mark for precisely the amount of time we could we could do it for like two acts worth of shooting, like two or three days. Mm-hmm. So that proxy character we were going to throw out, we're like, now wait a minute, this is actually pretty useful because Sterling would challenge Nate in a different way and Sterling would see through that first version of the story because he knows them better. And mm-hmm. so then, then that Catherine Dent character very much became the audience proxy. 
you know, okay. for that for that period of time. The audience, it Nate tells the story. The audience slash her character tries to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Sterling comes to fill in the blanks, and then all is revealed. And that feels that that's also the audience's experience of the story. Okay. It also was great because it gave. It gave an escalation when he showed yes. up. That I that think was the big unexpected so, pleasure. That yeah. I think you know it, what what a blessing it was because it never it never would have been written this way. No, and I m- no. remember when we were watching the scenes, and also the scenes with the three of them together had an intensity that yes. I think mm-hmm. just You're un- right. it, it was an escalation. You have to escalate. Yeah. yeah. Um, was really really great, and she's such a great actress. She I mean, was fantastic. Is, yes. She's so fantastic, and she gave like, a, you know, because uh, I directed a bunch of her stuff up on that floor, up on that, okay. uh, not the interrogation scenes. That was Dean, but uh, up on the other stuff on that floor, it happened to be second unit, and it really was. I need you to be really possibly helpful with him, and they just flip around and be absolutely ruthless in the investigative beats. Yeah. And she was fantastic. She flipped the switch from yeah. really empathetic oh, to. And Tim loved working with her, man. Yeah, they, they just really time. those head to head scenes were ton of fun so then can you tell the audience was it always the plan to bring back sterling for this episode yes yes okay. sterling always had to be in the finale okay um and, and then like chris said it just wound up kind of uh falling into wow because of scheduling we can't have him for a lot but look mm-hmm. this makes it better like, i love that dean chose to reveal sterling in an overhead you can't see his face all you do is you hear the theme and then the glass hits the table and you know who it is. And that's great. That's the best. You know, yeah. it's great. It, it's great that after 77 episodes, we have enough of a legacy with a character. You can introduce a guy like mm-hmm. that. You know, there's not a lot of other characters on TV, never mind on our show, that you can you can introduce with a music sting. Yeah, yeah. True. that's true. True. Well, then kind of talking about the shooting of this episode, uh, this is a very stunt heavy episode. And how did you pull off? There's a few stunts I want to talk about. The zipline stunt, the elevator shaft scene, and the bridge stunt. Were they all practical, CG? Uh, well, they're all a mix, obviously. Um, the the zipline stunt first was all CG, but it was great to... Uh, well, it's Beth on the the launches and arrivals. Okay. Right. So... Um, well, we, we built a false um, corner. Uh, corner of the building. Right. So, so basically, she was on the roof... Yeah, yeah uh, we, but by the way, the false corner of the building's are still on the roof. Still it's on still the roof. 24 stories <laughs> up. On, so just imagine if you go back 10 feet from the actual corner of the building, uh, we built a platform and a fake corner, so, yeah. you, get the, so you get the angle, and yeah. then she jumped. <laughs> and then grips caught her. And then grips caught her before she went over the actual corner yeah, yeah, of the building. Yeah. Does that make sense? That's, yes. that's super safe. And so um, and it is safe. We never, but because yeah. we, we had everyone anchored and tied off and all the rest yeah. of it. But the the best way to get the sky in the corner, which was actually was kind of reminiscent of the pilot, just being on a roof. Dean loves to shoot on roofs, yeah. Because then you can just turn around and get your your masters, and you don't have to go up and down the elevators, and it saves you time. And so then all the over, it, we were very lucky when we we're scouting Portland that those two buildings exist and are that distance apart. Mm-hmm. And that's no camera trickery. That's the shot. And so we were able to get the over the shoulder shots to the other roof and then use that as our anchors for the green screen. Okay. And then on the other side, we, uh, we green screened a, a line. We put a line up and then green screen best zooming in and dropping uh, and that. So it was basically jumping off the previous roof as, roof as close as you can get without jumping. And then arriving on the other <laughs> roof as close as you can get without actually arriving on a zipline. And then the in-between bit is CG. All right. Um, what's the other one? The elevator, elevator shaft scene. Elevator shaft scene. Yeah, you shot a lot of that. Yeah, I shot a lot of that. Um, Dean did the bottom, all the dramatic stuff at the bottom. But uh, I hate heights a lot. And uh, we had had this arrangement where, you know, you just have to look up the elevator shaft 
at the guy. So we were going to shoot in the basement and shoot, have the guy be standing out looking out the second floor okay. door. And then we'd just be up on the second floor and look down and green screen the elevator. And he's like, well, that's crazy. I mean, you know, you want to get a shot from way below. So we went up to the 16th floor. Okay. And then we put the camera crew on top of the elevator, and I rode the elevator. And I did not have fun. Uh, and we you rode would, the top of the elevator. I rode the yeah. Did wow. you see the photo? The, the photo. My first AD took a picture of me on top of the elevator. Wow. I don't look happy. Elevator man. surfing. Yeah. You add that to your, uh, yeah. to your and resume. You go down. You go down. You drop like a, you know, eight floors, and then you shoot up, and the dude's shooting down at you, popping hot brass from the blanks, and then you come up and you shoot down. And the, now uh, all the other shots were we built the elevator shaft. Um, but the, the one long continuous wonder where they run in, they try to force the door, they force the door, you look over their shoulder and down the shaft, that's all real shaft. Okay. And then they duck out and then the guy comes over. But yeah, we had stunties in that shaft and I, I was in the camera crew was in the shaft and it was crazy. That's kind of scary. It was scary. And <laughs> yeah. then the, the bit where they fall was all rigged on, uh, on we didn't build green, do green screen there, we did a set. Okay. So. That makes sense. Uh, and then the last one is the bridge stunt. The people of Portland are very accommodating. <laughs> we have uh, taken advantage of... Were you out there that morning? I don't think I was. I think I went straight to the set. Yeah. Um, oh, we, yeah, because we shot that Sunday morning before the second... There the is second not year. a form of uh, mass transit or uh, a major roadway that we have not appropriated for the show <laughs> in, in the city of Portland. <laughs> They, they gave us a bridge that they closed off for us. Yes. Uh, uh, much it, like they closed off the subway for yeah. an episode early <laughs> in the season. Four, at, at midnight, like nobody was using it. And much like this, this bridge was being, we shot it at 4 a.m. You were there. Yes, I was. You were there. Yeah. You're it was assistant. very early. Yeah, and, and it was, um, uh, we raised and lowered the bridge and had the band driving and smashing through barriers and all the rest of it. And so that big wide shot of the bridge is us, literally Dean on, on a walkie-talkie going, uh, uh, left one up two, two more degrees. No, no, right one. No, 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 down, down, down five degrees. Yeah, I mean, literally just tweaking his first AD, tweaking it up and down to get the right angle. Yeah. But yeah, that was as practical as you can get it with most of the driving shots from POV on Gary Camp in his hacked, uh, on his hacked Segway, which we've talked about before. Yeah. But the the van at the at the lip of the bridge. No, that's CG. Okay. Yeah, you can't drive. To... You can drive on a bridge that's up. You can drive pretty far, but the gap as the bridge rises is too big to get the connection. You, we cheated okay. that. Okay, that makes sense. This then. isn't yeah. like Hal Needham and Hooper. No, <laughs> no, that'd be great. See if though. anybody gets that reference. Yeah. Famous stuntman. Hashtag. See, I would have liked it was. I would have liked it was lower, and so you thought you'd make it because they he, Dean would really want it. Like, there's no way they can make it. I was like, I have like a little false hope in my, <laughs> yeah. my drama. Yeah, yeah. A little false hope. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, we talked about the roof scene. This question kind of follows up on that. The equation that Nate writes out by hand is that an actual equation? And yes, if so, yes. who's the math genius on set? No one's come math, on. No one's the math genius on set. You can find that equation online. No, but that was <laughs> all zipline places. Have you? Well, yeah. yeah well, all, I, zip... all I did is put the right terminology on. I have a physics yeah. degree, and I put the right terminology on and made sure there was the cosine and the friction and all the rest right. of it. The zipline <laughs> thing was from online. Like, yes, because it's easy to find. Well, you out. wrote that scene. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that so the zipline stuff I I got online. It didn't have friction in it, which actually came from uh, Sam Linsky, one yeah. of our executives from TNT. Uh, must have, I guess, did he? I guess he took physics, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> so he said, "What about friction?" And you said, "Oh yeah, you got to factor in friction." Yeah, and the and the the ones the equations on the website are kind of just a way to tell you roughly how fast you're going. And so okay. I hacked it a little. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. But you drew all you drew all the stuff on the yeah. Uh, Draw all the draw all the stuff on the the, the cardboard box. Cardboard, and yeah. Whenever you see Nate's hand doing math, that's usually my handwriting. <laughs> <laughs> Good to know. 
Well, then, moving on, uh, I'm sure this is something that a lot of our fans will have questions about. Is the Black Book something that actually exists, or is that wish fulfillment? If it's real or based on something real, how did you find out about it? Uh, I heard rumors of it, uh, and, and you can argue whether it's real or not. I've, mm-hmm. had, I've had somebody who should know look me dead in the eye and say, yes, it's real. Ah, but all right. that person is nowhere, no way, shape, or form going to go on record saying that. <laughs> it's a great MacGuffin. It's a great MacGuffin. I mean, uh, and, as and, a, and as certainly, a... certainly the fact that you know, I think, I think it was you who came up with a great number. Uh, the entire financial system collapsed, and two people went to jail. Yeah, and so yeah. you know, there was definitely that's it. It's all, all, all the people have gone to jail for everything that went, that everything went down, and you know, all these corporations basically paid fines, and mm-hmm. a fine is a price. Right. You know, it's the price you pay for doing business. And so it really was, you know, one of those things where uh, the unindicted co-conspirators, because look, I'm not anti-capitalist. I'm for corporations. I love capitalism. I like money. You are a corporation. I, I, I'm for. I actually had to have my assistant write down the information of my different company identities because I was getting confused. <laughs> you are not just a you person. Sh- you are a corporation. I am. A corporation's a people, my friend. Um, you shouldn't be able to cheat. Mm-hmm. And what happened is we took the refs off the field. And so people cheated and everything went to hell. And then all of a sudden we went around going, well, who could have known? Who could have known? It took the refs off the field. And so this is a little bit just knowing this could have been the last episode we wanted to say, you know, it feels like everyone's going, well, that's behind us. And no, these guys are still roaming the earth and they're going to wreak havoc as soon as you let them again. You know, if the LIBOR scandal or any of these other things have taught us anything, um, you know, you need a ref. You need a referee on this. And, and actually, I mean, the show premiered in 2008 when yeah. the, when this all happened. And so if this is, and we don't know, uh, the end of the show, it's a fitting end it, to it, have it, to have this be the MacGuffin. Yeah, the MacGuffin and also the legacy. Yes. The idea okay. that whoever got away with it, uh, we and our new international team of criminal buddies are going to hack, are going to find them and make them pay. That yes. you know, even if this is the last episode, you know, those adventures with other people will continue on. Off in idea space somewhere. Idea space. Yeah. And that's when they'll meet with the NCIS people. And the, the, you know, <laughs> oh, now you're doing the fanfic. Yeah, All that's what I'm saying. There's an infinite amount of space out there for you to write your crossovers uh, post this episode. <laughs> well, moving on from that, we have some questions about the characters, uh, specifically right now, uh, Sophie, understandably. Uh, how difficult was it for Gina to come up with the multiple voices for her various characters? Uh, she based a lot of them again uh, on um, characters we'd done before, which is another kind of yeah, another little bit of a hint. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, she she goes through and tags them and figures out what she wants to do for each one, and then works with Mary Mac- uh, Mary uh, McDonald, Mary McDonald, Mary Mac, Mary Mac, yeah. yeah. Our, our our wow, I, I thought McCarthy for because we were talking about Melissa McCarthy earlier. Yeah. That's why. Um, uh, our our dialect, uh, coach. dialect coach, and so they rehearse, and so she's got them all locked in, mm-hmm. like even before we show up on set. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, then speaking of Sophie's various characters, when did Sterling see Sophie do twelve different characters while drunk? In Venice. That the way, I love the idea that we keep referencing Venice. Oh, that's this, good. It's like this recurring thing, and and uh, I think Nate actually says. I think one of them says Venice mm-hmm. at that moment. Yeah, yeah, and and Venice is also. Where uh, he ran, he he ran across um, Archie, Archie Leach the last time, and okay. Venice is also, I think, the the place the the time they that Nate and Sophie argue about in the Mile High Job. There's your there's your prequel story. Yeah, there's, there's like your, uh, I, I, there's, there's definitely your... like five or six signature moments in their past that are kind of we kind of float around. 
you know, okay. that we don't lock in continuity okay. because we hate that, but it's, you know. Yeah. But they all happen in Venice. Yeah. Not all of them happen in Venice. I'm saying that, like, Venice is one of them that we okay. kind of know about. Okay. Mm -hmm. So will we ever find out Sophie's real name? Uh, I tell you what, I think that's <laughs> Sophie's real name. Okay. That's Sophie's that's real name. That's pretty definitive. Yeah, that's, that is I canon like that. right there, yeah. folks. That is, that is, uh, there are two endings shot. Um, Do we one, know which one is Aaron? Uh, we, we don't. <laughs> we don't. Uh, there are two endings shot, one of which she does not say that's not my real name. Okay, okay. okay. And right. so it was one of those things where it's like, we really wanted to know by now so we could decide. Mm -hmm. yeah. And we don't know. So we don't want to go into season six saying that's her real name and then the we way, stripped all the mystery out of it. You can always auction that off for charity. Yeah. The, 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 I mean, the, I think uh, her uh, real name? You're So Vain was uh, the identity of the of uh, Carly Simon identifying who's in your the guy in your So Vain was <laughs> yeah. auctioned off for big money for charity. Oh, interesting. One of the last nice. great mysteries so, of the 70s. If, if, if there's a season six that's not her real name. <laughs> all right. If there's no season six that is her real name and she's just teasing Nate. There you go. All right. I like that answer. Uh, we have another Sterling question. Now that Sterling has a taste for justice, will he continue down that path and use his Interpol powers for good? He always uses his Interpol powers for good. <laughs> he's always, he's a... He, he's, is, he is the Sheriff of Nottingham. He is, he is always, uh, you know, he's, he's on the side of the good in his well, mind. Whether that yeah. has shifted at this point, I think it's kind I, of an I, open I think question. I think it's one of those things where he would never help Nate. He might realize that you need wolves in the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that's, I think, as far as he's gone. That makes sense. Right. That makes sense. Uh, and so for our last official question. Wow. Uh, well, the we have bonus? a couple bonus questions, so I don't Kayla know. always has bonus questions. always have bonus questions. Bonus questions. Um, I think the bonus question in this one is just her screaming, why, why, why? Why? Yeah, exactly. Over like a, and like over. A, like a nine-year-old. <laughs> um, so that closing scene. Can you talk a little bit about the closing scene with Parker? How and when did you come up with that moment? First year. All right. First year. We, we didn't have it on the pilot. But talking about it, it's like, uh, and and I don't think you might. I, I was always more obsessed about this than you were. Yeah, you yeah, were all, no, you're not a, that, You're not that guy. I, I, no. I was always like, if no, the, you you like you said, I know what the last scene of this show is. Yeah, and, so, and it has to be. And it was season one. And it was season one that mm -hmm. it has to be one of them inheriting and doing that speech, and then very quickly it resolved to Parker. Okay. Because especially once we had a couple episodes with Beth under our belt, we realized, oh my God, she's amazing. I mean, mm -hmm. she really was just incredible. Mm -hmm. But you and, knew and you... just what where her character, yeah, where she her had character, the trip. she had the longest trip to yeah. go of all the characters. Yeah, um, and uh, and it's funny because the cast knew there was a last scene that we had in our heads, mm -hmm. and and so they'd occasionally start yanking our chains on it, and then fourth season because we were getting there, because look, once you're in fourth season of a show, you're always in the back half. You just are. You mm -hmm. just if you make six or seven, you're geniuses. So you know you're always. So that's when actually we're shooting the season opener in the mountain thing. I told Beth mm. what that scene's going to be. Oh wow! And so so she could start tuning herself mm -hmm. and her. So, so Beth's known pretty early, and then everyone else. I talked to them of kind of where we were going at the end of near like the middle to three quarters of that year, okay. so they could all kind of start pushing their performances in that way. That makes sense. Yeah, and it was tough. It was like we if we're because I don't have another ending. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the ending I had in the show, and, and, and Dean, we pitched it to Dean first year, he's like, yeah, absolutely, so that's, whatever hell year six is, uh, okay, different trip. 
It's all to shower. The shower scene. We the come out of scene, the come back. Bobby Ewing like, comes out of the shower. It's all a dream. We, it's, we go all the way back to first season. It's a snow globe. All the way you back. You see someone shaking a snow globe, it, and that was what leverage was. It was the it, fever dream of. It's uh, Lily Nate. Small child. It's, it's Dan Hurley. It's Nate in the wow. Nice. It's Nate in the wardrobe of like episode three. Season one, waking up like, oh, what a hangover. I had such a dream. <laughs> yeah, and we go yeah. all the way back to those characters. That's kind of disappointing. Yeah, yeah. No, it was, uh, it's, look, it, you don't get to do that often. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. and especially since we run a very open writer's room where, like, we're not sure what's going to happen this right. year. And, hey, part of the fun of this is the writers each bring their own version of leverage. Mm-hmm. Surprise us. And so it was not necessarily a show built to get to a very specific point. But we were able to anchor it, and we got there, and I am just deliriously happy and I was so happy on the day Beth was watching the the pilot obsessively mm-hmm. so she could get the vocal rhythms down and mm-hmm. the head tilt right and she just nailed it she just it killed it and, uh, and our um, uh, production team <coughs> yes really... which is not the pilot production team right yeah. they, they had to kind of evoke uh, without duplicating the yeah. set which was not which was not a set it was a it was a location yeah uh, from that scene of Nate in the in the uh, pilot. Yeah. In the pilot, that's actually the a back bedroom of a condo, right. the condo that yeah. Hardison's headquarters is in. That we've done up like yeah. a living room, and this is like a this is a totally <laughs> different set. Yeah. And and again, Randall Groves and the production team went out and found like just the right couch, just the right yep. easy chair, mm-hmm. and just you know really matched it as close as they could. They did a great job. It was a great it was a great scene. Thank yeah. you. Um, so that was our last official question. I have two bonus questions. We love your bonus questions. Um, I need to know. How many carrots was that ring? Oh, because that was a ring. It is. Uh, <laughs> it is a lot of money's worth. It is um, whatever he had left. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. We guys don't know this stuff. We, we been, showed up with a ring. We've been like married that. so long. Yeah, Color, really. cut, yeah. clarity. We don't remember any of no. that stuff. Because that Sorry. was that was some that ring. Was some rock. It's a heck of a ring. Well, tell props that they did a good job on it. I might steal yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> so where will Nate and Sophie go on their honeymoon? Where are Nate and Sophie going? Well, they have to get married first. True. And I think if we we have season six, a little chunk of that is going to be the fact that, you know, that they're living together and they're heading right. towards marriage and they're still working out all the stuff that goes with that. Mm-hmm. Can you, know? you can you con someone to thinking you've fallen into Niagara Falls? When yeah. Really <laughs> that's, that's what I'm seeing. I'm yeah. seeing the barrel job. Yeah, nice. <laughs> nice. But, yeah, I mean, if, if we get season six, we'll get to see, like, how long they manage to stay in semi-retirement mm-hmm. yeah. and part of that will be the con and part of that will be the marriage and we get to see how the team adjusts without that particular combination and whether they bring new people in and that sort of thing but it is definitely next year at least for the first couple episodes it is going to be a very different show that would Should make sense. if we're fortunate enough if we're fortunate enough to have it for next year well, I guess my final question then is why must you tug on my heartstrings so <laughs> with this episode and this script? Well, it's, it's, it's gave you... Look, I've we, never had so many feels. We, we got... The great thing is, again, I have to thank Joss Whedon for being horrible because <laughs> the fact that he has left a swath of dead beloved characters in his path means that when you see someone kill characters on TV, you believe it may actually have happened. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I will admit... There were, there were moments, even in the edit, where, like, this is a little head snappy. This is, like, <laughs> yeah. they be very angry and traumatized. Because also, by the way, those are our friends. Yeah. Like, never mind how you guys watching the characters feel. Those are our friends. Watching them die in the van was hard. Like, and they're all great actors. And, and, you know, I, I gave myself the challenge. I wrote that particular bit where it's, like, I'm going to write them to death scene I would want to give them. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, Hardison and Elliot dying holding each other's hands is the way you'd go out. Yes. And so, you know, and I'm getting choked up now. I could, mm. it, it destroyed. People were crying when we were shooting. Mm-hmm. People couldn't watch, you know. And so um, then to flip around. But that, but that's the idea, right? It's like the idea of catharsis is feel something strongly, then release. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't could, work. Could was, have been worse. You could what? have done a cliffhanger. Yeah. <laughs> you could end yeah. it with them dead. And then if we get season six. See you in a year. Oh, yeah. What Tune if, yeah, in. just the end of the episode would be Sterling going, maybe they're not all dead. Boom, and you're out like that. That's how Shonda Rhimes would do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, working yeah. pretty well yeah, over in, yeah, yeah. in Shondaland. The, the, or the killing. Yeah. The killing. No, I wanted, to, I wanted to go through the TV and punch somebody's neck. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, look, and, but that's the rule. We still had to, even though we knew it might be the last episode, it might not be the last mm-hmm. episode, we had to close out the year. Yeah. So let's close out the year properly, which is taking you on the full roller coaster ride. Well, thank you for that. And Grifters, that wraps us up on this special interview edition of the Leverage 10 podcast. Thanks again to our guests for always being here. And thanks to all of our fans for writing and listening in. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Lev10Podcast for future podcast updates. And if you haven't already done so, make sure to check out the Downey Files, the new podcast from Leverage showrunner Chris Downey, now on iTunes. Is there anything you guys would like to say to the fans before we wrap up? Uh, thank you for being our fans. They're great. Thank, and thanks for listening to these podcasts. And a big thank you to Kayla and Paula here for putting this thing together. Yeah, this has been a ton of fun. And you guys so are much fun. totally responsible. Thank you for doing it. Well, thank you. And thank you for listening, Grifters. Thank you.